uh, in the chat. Okay. Um, so Vayigash takes us to the final showdown here between Yosef and the brothers. Yosef finally reveals himself. Very exciting stuff. Um, what I really... Um, I came upon some interesting... I have to thank my friend Rabbi Yehuda Tereski, the Rabbi Inshalavim, uh, brought to my attention a couple of interesting source, sources here on this question. We've, we've talked in the past about, like, does, does Yaakov ever find out? Um, we've talked about, um, you know, do, do, do the brothers ever tell? Do they, really, like, you know, that kind of stuff. This question is a little bit of a different question I have on the top of the sheet. Does Yosef ever forgive the brothers? Okay? And it's a very specific question. Um, hi, Rona. I'm going to put the source sheet in the chat for you again. Make sure you have it. Um, and I think it's a really interesting question um, because, as usual, we're going to take a look at the text and you're going to tell me if Yosef ever forgives the brothers or not. And we're going to see a number of approaches in the Rishonim and Nachronim to kind of deal with this question. So let's take a look. Source number one is the moment when Yosef reveals himself. Um, so Yosef says, so the Torah says, He couldn't handle it anymore. By the way, I just asked an aside. It's so cool that um, we've spoken before about Rabbi Sachs that revealed the nun's approach that Yosef thought his father was in on it, right? And it, it, in Yehuda's convert, in Yehuda's sort of, you know, soliloquy here, he s- quotes his father who says, he says that Yosef died. And it's at that moment that Yosef realizes that, it, that he says, that's the moment Yosef realizes, oh my gosh, my father thinks that I'm dead. He doesn't think that. He didn't tell me, right? Which is very cool. But anyways, so that, that, and that explains, but that's one explanation why he couldn't hold in anymore. Because all of a sudden he realizes, he has this epiphany at that moment. The other simple, the simple answer is he can't hold it anymore because he sees his brother has changed his heart. Yehuda, the person who was the orchestrator of his sale is now standing up, right? Instead of causing a brother, a favored son to go into, into slavery, he is now standing up so a favored son doesn't go to slavery, right? So you can't hold it anymore. Get everyone out of here. No one's standing there when he tells them he doesn't want to embarrass them, but also putting himself in danger. Levi and Shimon could have killed him at that moment, right? But he puts himself in danger, but also trying to preserve a dignity. He starts to cry. Everyone hears that he's crying. He says, I'm, I'm Yosef. Is my father alive? They couldn't answer him because they were just astonished. Right? They could not possibly believe that this was really Yosef they are literally, literally speechless at that moment. Um, fine. So, they, so they, they, don't, they don't know what to do. They are totally, uh, again, they're totally speechless at that moment. Um, and what does Yosef say? Yosef No, come closer. He says, don't be, don't be, like, it's almost like they're like stepping back, you know? They're, they're like afraid of him. And he doesn't, he sees them, them stepping backwards. And he says to them, no, 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 don't do that. Come, come closer. Come closer. Don't, don't be afraid of me. And Vayigashu, uh, they come closer. Vayoma, I'm Yosef. I'm the person that you sold to Mitzrayim. Um, yes. 
two weeks ago, we were all upset over the story of being thrown in the pit. Yes. So it's interesting that here they're not saying he's not saying I'm Yosef who you threw in the pit. He's saying who you sold ah. into slavery. Meaning? So it's almost like did they did he hear some transaction from the pit or It's a very good clue, right, for some those who argue that they actually did sell him, right? He but says it. He says very good. He said this test will be cumulative. Okay, the test will be cumulative. <laughs> um, right? And Jane, you'll do well. Right? Because you're right. It's a, it, that scene, that's, a good, that's a good proof text that says that they were involved in this. And he believed they were involved in this. We saw some who said that he was. Right? But others who argue, no, they just kind of... But again, it, what's the other answer? You could say, yeah, when, when the Midianim came and pulled him out of the pit, what did, they, what did he assume? That they threw him in the pit and then made a deal with them and they took him out. Right? And he, they didn't tell him. You know, but you could, you could, you could, you could argue that it's not really proof either way. But yes, it's a very good point. It's an excellent. This point. could be like totally not related to that, but I do know that when it when they took him out of jail, it says like that he was finally able to leave the pit. So it could be he's like over that part, and the reason he's highlighting the that you sold me to Mitzrayim is because he's highlighting the whole big plan that was involved here. Like, yeah, you threw me in a pit, but that's not what the big deal was. The big deal was, look what happened along the right, way. Right, because you're, you're pointing out, Leora, that, that. That, they, that the Torah refers to the, to the jail he's in later as a bore also, correct? Maybe yeah. there's like an emo- psycho, psycho, psychological, emotional, like feeling of being take, taken out of the jail was like almost being removed from that original pit. Very good. Um, yes, and that maybe that's, again, it's more of a, I'm Yosef, you, you sold me out, right? You sold me out and you sent me here, etc. Yeah, which is interesting because that could be seen as a negative thing he's saying to them, like, like, this is what you did to me, right? But then he says to them, Viata, he says, now, don't be upset. I don't want you to be upset about this. Don't worry that you sold me here. Hashem sent me here for a purpose. This was all Yad Hashem because now I'm here to provide for you, right? He goes, we're only two years into this. He says, there'll be another five. And you guys are going to be in trouble here. It's amazing. Can you imagine? Don't worry. It's all good. Right? It's all good. It was Gamzulatova. Right? Like, really? It's an amazing statement of Amuna that Yosef is saying right now. Right? It's fine, guys. We're good. Don't be upset. This is all Hashem's plan. And then to top it all off, You didn't send me here. Hashem said, what? Like, are you kidding me? God sent me here. Yosef says, guys, let's just be clear about this. You didn't do this anyways. This was really God's plan. I'm here because Hashem wanted me to be here. Don't be worried. Let's go. And that, the next line is, let's send wagons up, get dad, bring him down. And we're going to live, live the rest of our, our days out here in Mitzrayim throughout the, through this famine. And we're all going to be good because we, you know, because, because this was God's plan. Okay. What would you say is Yosef's perspective right now on the, his sale by his brothers, according to the text? Where is he emotionally on this? Sorry, I was just grabbing the source sheet. Yeah, yeah. What would you say? He's okay. He's not okay. He's very strong. He's trying to make them feel better. I mean, I feel like he made peace with it. 
you know, in, in all this time. Sounds like it a little bit. At least that's his language. It's okay. I'm good. This is what Hashem wanted. Let's move He's forward. He's not really blaming them. He sort of says this is Hashem's plan. They were just part of the plan. Not only does he not blame them, what does he say? It wasn't you. No, you didn't even send me here. It's almost like he's also like kind of brushing the issue aside because there's a much bigger problem at hand, and that's the famine. Because okay. The focus turns very quickly to what the problem is and not what the problem was. What could this be strategically by Yosef? Let's say Yosef doesn't really feel so much better, but strategically, what, what is he trying to do here? I was going to say, he doesn't say he's fine with it. He just tells them not to worry about it and that it was all Hashem. He just... He's, he's like not really commenting on how he feels about it and what he thinks about the whole thing. No, it kind of feels a little passive-aggressive. <laughs> okay. Meaning like, it's okay, guys, we're good. Like, I'm, I'm past it. Like, let's just, let's just move forward here. First let, me, first, let me stick something into you and then say, oh, it's okay, fine. Okay, so let's, let's follow up on Avigal's point because Avigal's making a very good point. Look at source number two. Is it amazing, medrish, and gracious rabba, which is exactly what Avigal says. Okay? The Medrash in source number two says as follows. Right? He cries and he says who he is and they can't respond. Abba Kohen Bardla Amar. Abba Kohen Bardla said as follows. Oy lanu biyomadin. Oy lanu biyomatochacha. How bad is it going to be for us on the Yom Hadin, the day of judgment, and how bad it will be for us on the day of rebuke? Okay, Why? So we go down where the where the line where the underline continues. Yosef, Katnan shall shvatim. Yosef was the youngest, almost the youngest of the shvatim. Haya. When he gave him rebuke, they could say nothing. Right? Yosef is their little brother, basically. He's their little brother. And when Yosef says, "Ani Yosef right? And they couldn't respond to him because the, because the rebuke was so strong. They were so embarrassed. They were so blown away. So when Hashem comes at the end of days or the end of our lives and gives us tochach on our lives, what's going to happen? How much more so are we going to be like, have nothing to say? Right? They, they, they couldn't respond to him. Right? The Medrash, the Beis Halevi, has a whole long explanation. What's the Yom Adin, what's Yom Adin, the things that we should have done, we could have done, whatever. But the bottom line is, according to the Medrash, when Yosef says to them, Ani Yosef, Ha'odavichai, right? And the Beis Halevi actually explains much more on the Odavichai part. Because what, what have they said the whole time? Yehuda says over and over again, my father this, my father that, my father will be broken. My... So the Beis Halevi says, you fa- care so much about your father? Ha'odavichai? This is who you care about? You didn't care about him 22 years ago when you brought, me back, when you brought back my coat and said that I was dead. Right? That, then he didn't care about, me, about my father. Now, is he still alive? I can't believe he's still alive after what you did to him. That's how, that's how the Beis Halevi reads this line. That Yosef was a little bit sticking it to them, maybe. Um, but again, the simple shot is that he wasn't sticking it to them, but it has the impact. Right? Just that the impact of, of being just totally revealed. Like, oh my gosh, look what, what we did to you. And now having it being brought in front of their face is just so painful for them. And they, can't, they have no response because there's no answer. There's nothing to say. But the bottom line is, it certainly is a, uh, 
a very significant experience for them, right? Like a, like a rebuke that they experience without him having to say anything. And maybe that's why he doesn't say, because he doesn't really have to say. Just, just, just taking off the mask, right, is enough to send them, f- you know, flailing in the wind and, f- and falling backwards. And, and they do. And that's why he says to them, come back, right? So he's not, he's not being, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't sound like he's being so nasty. He's really trying to be nice to them. It, it is automatic, maybe, that rebuke. That rebuke happens just because of the experience. It's just so powerful. And it, it's, a be- it's a beautiful measure, right, to think about what that's like. You know, what's that going to be like when we have to answer for all of our, uh, you know, everything that we've done our whole lives. But, but again, just but that, putting the measures aside for a second, simple shot in the, in, the, in the psukim so far. Does Yosef hate them? Is he bear, holding a grudge against them? What would you say? No. Pro- probably not, right? Probably the simple shot is that they're not, he's not angry with them. Or he doesn't, at least, he doesn't say he's angry at them. He said, this is who I am, and this is what you did to me, but, but, I'm, but I'm okay now, and this is what Hashem wanted, and let's move forward. Go get Dad, bring him down, and we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Rabbi Crown, can yes. I ask you a question? Yes. Um, just, I just want to know from the, like, we're talking about Yosef, and how he feels towards the brothers, but how do the brothers feel towards him? Like, do they, are, they, are they relieved and happy that they found him alive, and they've been carrying horrible guilt all these years? Or are they disappointed and annoyed and upset that their father's favorite is alive and well and asking for their father and they, <laughs> they got rid of him. <laughs> so the truth is we find last week's Parsha, right? And last week's Parsha, we actually find that they, they admit it to each other in front of Yosef, right? At one point when Yosef says, okay, I'm going to keep you guys here and you and, and go, well, keep Shimon here. You guys go up and uh, bring Binyamin and they start to talk and this is in the, in the text, right? They start talking to each other and say, oh my gosh, we're guilty. Look what we did to him. We didn't have Rahmanas on him. He, he was crying in the pit and we, he wanted to be saved and we didn't save him. And this is, ha- this is all happening to us because of what we did to Yosef. So there is a moment of reckoning for them before he reveals himself. So it, uh, we don't know. But I wonder if that, there was a sense of relief that, that they, he wasn't dead. And after I mean, all this. They wanted to get rid of him because they thought he was a threat Right, a threat to them. Like, right. Like, I, was it my mother or you? <laughs> who gave me this to our Torah? That if you look at Abraham, Yitzhak, yes. and then Yaakov, yes, yes, right? yes. was this you who was saying this? Uh, we've talked about it before, but yeah. Oh, that every... There's time, always one person who's Abraham kicked out. Abraham sent away a son, right, and kept one. And Yitzhak sent away a son and kept one. So there's no reason for the brothers to think that they would not have been sent away and that, and that you know, Yosef would have stayed and been his treasured son. And Revyol Ben-Nun says... That's what Yosef thinks his father did to him. On the other yeah. side, he, Yosef says, I'm the one who was thrown away. But yes, right. but yes, there's a Dasakanian which seems to imply the brothers felt that they weren't going to be part of this group anymore. That they thought that Yosef has been the chosen one. That's why he gets a special code. He gets special treatment. His father learns with him. Uh, specifically, that he was given special treatment because he was going to be the one and they're all going to be kicked right. out. Yes. So right. you're right. But it, it does seem though at this point that they've kind of realized like, yikes, I guess we were wrong here. Because um, they, they, they do um, later on, you know, well, again, at that moment, they, they actually have this revelation in front of Yosef. Um, and the, the Torah says they didn't realize, they're speaking like in Hebrew, and the whole time they were speaking through an interpreter, and they didn't realize that Yosef was listening to them. Um, so we do, we do find in the Pesukim that they, that they did, at some point, feel bad about what they did. It's and not they I have. thought you skipped last week, so. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, so, uh, 
So fine. So, it's so yeah. Twenty years later, you know, it's not like it just happened. Right, it's but like it takes twenty years later. I mean, they, they years... probably had so much guilt over the years and keeping this. What's fascinating is it seems like if you look in the text there, um, I actually spoke about this a little bit on, on Shabbos. I, mean, I was actually supposed to send the email today with, the, with the, what I said on Shabbos. But I spoke about this a little bit then on Shabbos, and it's almost like Ruvain, Ruvain chimes in. in that, if you look back at that conversation, part of Miketz, Ruvain says, they said to say, like, we're, it's our fault that we did this. And Ruvain says, see, I told you we shouldn't have done it. Like, it's, it's almost like, like the emotion comes like pouring out. And it's, you, it feels like it's the first time they ever had the conversation. Um, is, is in Mitzrayim 22 years later. It's fascinating. Like they, they were ration, rationalizing for themselves all that time. Like, okay, well, we got it right. It's terrible for our father, but look, this is the right thing to do and whatever. But yeah, but, um, but yes. So th- there does seem to be a, a moment of reckoning for them and that's in the text. But the question is, do we find a forgiveness from Yosef in the text? I, would, I don't know. What would you say in, the, in, the, this, first, in this first text, just in the Torah itself, would you say that he forgave them? I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's mentioned at all. It's not mentioned. He's, he's spinning it well, and he's taking the high road and being positive, but it doesn't really look like a machigla, right? Good. Yeah, I don't, I mean, like, if you just look at, like, the dynamics in families, forgiveness does not come so easy. Ah, we're going to get there, we're going to get there, we're going to get there, we're going to get there. Yes. So, but it doesn't look like a machigla yet. Fine, but now go to source number three. Source number three is next week's parsha. Parsha is Vayechi. Don't worry, we'll still have someone to talk about parsha Vayechi. But parsha Vayechi goes uh, a little further here, and he says as follows. So this is this is after they bury Yaakov, and the, and the brothers now are worried, right? And they come back, and there's a big discussion whether what they're going to tell Yosef that Yaakov said he really said or didn't. We've spoken about this, I think, a couple times before. Like, did, did Yaakov really say this or not? So they say, They saw their father died. Now Yosef is going to get us. Now he's going to really take revenge on us. And they said to Yosef as follows. Yaakov, our father, told us to tell you to forgive us. Let it go. Okay, why? And they basically to Yosef, Yosef, our father said, like, you shouldn't touch us. Please, pretty please, leave us alone. And Yosef starts to cry. Because he never had any intention of doing anything to them. Right? They said, we'll be your, we'll be your slaves. What are you worried about? Am I in God's place? You guys thought it was all for bad, but I, it ended up being good. Don't be worried. He basically comforts them and says, Don't worry, I'll take care of you, I'll take care of your children. And he comforts them. Don't worry, I'm not going to hurt you. I promise. I ask you again, does Yosef forgive the brothers? No. In that story? <laughs> Doesn't look like it, right? Janet said a while ago, we were having a discussion about something, Janet, and you said, you said forgiving and forgetting are two different things, right? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> you can, <laughs> we won't bring that talk up, I guess. That's right. 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 
Right. Elul. Elul. We had a we had a talk in Elul about forgiving. Yes, and letting things go. It's a yes, 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 yes. But this is the same type of thing, right? He could he could have forgiven them, but it doesn't mean he forgot what they did. Ah. Two different things. Ah. He didn't forgive them. So so hold on. So so hold on. Yeah, I think here it's the opposite. I think he's willing to forget what they did, but he's not actually going to forgive them. I don't think he's willing to do either. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what they did. Hold on, Cindy. What did you say? I was just saying, I think he's accepting what they did, whether he agreed with it or not. He's just accepting it, that it happened, that God kind of oversaw this, and this is what how it was meant to be. I think it's just acceptance, and let's move on. Right, exactly. So Liz, what did you want to say? There's, like, two parts to people. There's one, like, you know, you're religious, you believe in Hashem, you believe everything's meant for a reason, da, da, da. and then there's your personal feelings on the subject. So, like, globally he forgives because this was what was meant to be but like in terms of being hurt and how could you do this to me that's never spoken not you spoken. know it's not like on a personal brother to brother level it's right. just on this global right. like this is how it's meant to be right so the Sefer, the Sefer Hasidim um, actually said I don't have it for you inside he does say that Yosef he thinks for Yosef forgave them that they made Shalom you can see by the way that they're uh, getting along at the end that Yosef is willing to say guys it's okay and that he gives them Mechilah um, but there are many, a number of Rishonim who don't take that approach. Um, we also saw, maybe it was last year, we also saw once a, a very, very beautiful shot from Shimon Schwab, where he, where he says that when, Yosef, when they, Yosef sends the wagons up, and at first when they come to see uh, Yaakov, he doesn't believe them. And, uh, and he says, in the Torah then says, that basically they tell Yaakov at that moment everything they did, right? But one other thing, that Yosef sends the, the Agalot, which represents Egla Rufa, right? The, that's that mitzvah. And as part of that Egla Rufa, there's the, the, the language is, Kapela Amcha Yisrael, that the, that the Zikainim say to Hashem, forgive, forgive these people who didn't watch out for this person who was you know, on the way and got killed. And, uh, and the Rishwab says that was the message Yosef was sending to his father was, I forgave them, so you should forgive them too. But that's a that's a that's a drush. That's it's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love it. But it's but it's not necessarily. It's harder to find in the text. So if you look at the Orachim Hakadosh, Orachim in source number four argues for two reasons that um, Yosef did not really give them for did not really offer mechila. So he says as follows: Perush imatem chayavim onesh. What's his response in Vayechi? What did he say? Am I in God's place? I'm not God. I'm, I'm going to forgive you? So I would have said, yes. Why would you say that he... Why do I say I don't need God in this one? Why is that a funny response? I don't need God. Why do I not need God? If a person wants to do tshuva for something they did to somebody else, what do they need to do? They need to ask forgiveness. Between the two of them. Yeah. Right. Meaning Hashem doesn't forgive, right? Between Abinam and Chavir, Hashem doesn't grant Mechila unless... The person grants mechila. You have to work it out first, and then God will give mechila, right? But so it's interesting. Yosef says, "Hatachas al kimani." That's a funny response. What do you mean, "Hatachas al kimani"? It's between you and God. It's not between you and God. It's between you and me, right? It's between us. You hurt me. So why why does he say that? So so the Rambam says something amazing. He says, "Imatem chayavim onesh al davar elokim shofet velo akum velo If you're deserving of punishment, that's not up to me. That's up to God. I'm not going to take revenge on you. That's God's place to be. Vitam shalom and why does Yosef not give them mechila? He says clearly they didn't. Efshalat sad shebnei Noach ena davar talib mechilasam. 
The rule by B'nai Noach is not the same by Jews, right? So the, remember a number of years ago I said that, that Avram wasn't the first Jew. I made Pearl very, very upset. And Avram is not the first Jew. So the, the brothers are not really Jews, right? Yeah, there's no mountain Torah. So until now, the, the halacha that applies to them is, is the, the, the Shev Mitzvah B'nai Noach. And the rule is by Shev Mitzvah B'nai Noach, that if you violate one of them, you're, you're chayv misa, you know, from Hashem. You're chayv misa. There's no, like, I can forgive you. In one of the, in one of the Shem Mitzvah Noach, is gezel. You can't steal. You certainly can't kidnap people. Right? So if, so if so, but if you hurt somebody else as a Ben Noach, there's no mechila. That's a Jewish, that's a, that's a, that's a between Jews thing. There's no mechila in the, in the realm of it. It doesn't mean it's not good midos. It is good midos for everybody. But it, the, the technical requirement of mechila doesn't work, he says, for Bnei Noach. It only works, Bnei Mechavero, when it comes to, to, comes to Jews. If you have an issue, Bnei Mechavero, Bnei Noach, then you just have to, you have to do tshuva to Hashem. So his, one, his first technical answer is, Yosef can't be mochalem, because it's not up to him. And answer number one. Then he gives another answer. Oh, Maybe. I feel Yisrael, even if it was a Jew. Im ganav Yisrael o machro, im biyat ha-nignav lefotro leganav mimavis. We always talk about in the Ten Commandments, lo signov, right? Don't steal. That's not what it means. Lo signov does not mean do not steal. It means do not uh, kidnap. Do not kidnap. And kidnapping in the Torah is a, it's actually a, ca- a capital crime. If you're caught kidnapping, a uh, person's chayv misa in Bezdin. Uh, they get killed in, in, in Beitin if they, if, they, if they kidnap somebody. So he says, even if they're Jews, what did they do to him? They kidnapped him. They kidnapped him. They sold him. So that, he says, that, says Orachim, that wouldn't be, that's not in Yosef's realm to forgive because, again, that's not just a Ben Machavero. That's kidnapping is, is too big. The, the person who's sold doesn't have the ability to, to, uh, to, to forgive. So that's his, like, very kind of, Technical answer, but regardless, the Orachim is clear that what does he believe? Yosef didn't forgive them. That's clear. Yosef didn't forgive. He says because he couldn't. Fine. Rabbi Bechaya takes it to a different level. Source number five. Rabbi um, Bechaya says as follows. Fine. Um, Yosef cried, right, when they, when they spoke with him. Um, and he says as follows: Teichav she skirulo aviv. As the moment they mentioned their father, Bacha legodal haava v'nichmirachamav. He because of his love for his father, he started to cry, and he felt bad already. He felt he felt mercy for them. Vine achiv bikshu mimenu mechila. The brothers eventually, right? They they ask. They say, "Don't you know, son of a pesha, right? Give us forgiveness." Velobir hakasuv shemachalahem. But we don't find such a bin that Yosef ever forgave them. The halacha is, someone wrongs another person, they don't get tshuva unless they ask forgiveness. To the point where if the person would die, a person is supposed to go to the, to the, to the grave of that person with 10 people and ask mechila. You, don't get, you, you do not achieve kapara unless you ask for tshuva. Uh, doesn't the Torah say that he comforted them and he spoke nicely to them? He sounds like Yosef was nice to them. We still don't find him granting forgiveness. 
doesn't say. I let, I let it go. Wild. They, the brothers died, he says, without ever achieving kapara. They were never forgiven for what they did. Because they could never fully be let off the hook without Yosef's granting forgiveness. So if that's true, it had to be held up. Right? It had to be fulfilled, their punishment, somewhere later. When does that happen? The story of the ten martyrs in the time of the Romans, which we read both on Yom Kippur and we read it also on Tishabav. The story of, of, of ten of the greatest Amin The way the story is told is that it was ten people at all at the same time. Historically, that's not really true. They weren't really killed all at the same moment. But Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Yochan Kohen Gadol, all these tremendous, tremendous Amin were all killed. Um, I think I mentioned, maybe we mentioned last time, that in that story, we're told that they walk into the room and the room is filled with shoes. The, the, way, that, the way they tell the story. Because the, the Medrash says that they, when they sold Yosef, they sold him for shoes. And the Medrash, the way it tells it over, is that basically that, the, uh, that when the brothers come in, and they, when the tent, sorry, when the Sarabim and Malchus are brought in, it's told to them that basically you're being killed because of the ten brothers who sold their brother. And the way it's played out in, in, uh, on Yom Kippur, the way, the way it's told, is that, again, that, that this was the, uh, sort of like the, um, the comeuppance for the ten brothers is the Sarabim and Malchus. So Rabbi Mechaia says it beferish, that because they died without Mechila, that's why the Sarabim and Malchus were killed. Um, Just saying fine. that seems horribly unfair, but that's okay. <laughs> it does. It does. I mean, it's just, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How could that be? What's that? It's not their fault. It's not their fault. It, it, there's, a, there's a lot of theological problems with this, right? That yeah, we don't have... Thought, like, children don't die for the, for the punishments of their parents. Like, yeah. No, what? So why is somebody is paying for the sins of somebody else? That's, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's very complicated. It's very complicated. Paying for the sins of Adam and Chava? <laughs> no. We, that was a punishment to mankind. You're right. But, but you're right. It's very complicated theologically how that works. Why is it that these individuals are killed, you know, because of something that 10 other people did so many years ago? It's, a, it's an excellent and you're also, question. You're also, that's, that's also saying then that the brothers actually never got any punishment for what they did because, because these Sadiqim got the punishment, basically. That it yeah. was deferred to them. It was them. deferred to them. Yeah. Very complicated. What does that mean? What does that mean? How, how does that work? Uh, I guess right. that's a whole year. Okay. Yeah. No, it, no, but it is. It's a very complicated thing. But I'll tell you more than that. The, there are those who ask, the Kleisenberger Rebbe and others ask, what do you mean? They ask for forgiveness. What's the halacha? The halacha in Shulchan Aruch is, you can't get tshuva unless you ask. What happens if you ask three times and the person still says no? What's the halacha? You, you're forgiven. You're, you're done. Right? The Ramam actually says, a person shouldn't be an achzar, shouldn't be cruel and not forgive. You should forgive. And if the person asks three times and comes multiple times to ask and the person still says no, then the person is off the hook. So if that's true, yes, what, but the problem is that the brothers never asked, I guess, Hashem for forgiveness, right? They never, they never, they never cried to Hashem or dove into Hashem to ask them for forgiveness for what they did to their brother. So if it's a, if it's a punishment that's that's given or forgiven by Hashem, they never actually rectified it with Hashem, right? I mean, it, it, presumably, presumably, but the, maybe the answer is that they, maybe, again, maybe they didn't come three times, maybe they didn't really ask enough. I mean, I mean we don't have, you know, we don't know all, all the, we don't know all the pieces here. But it is, it is We only saw strange. it two times. We only really saw it once, to be honest. 
Because in the first time, when they're, when they're so, just don't know what to say, they don't ask for mechila. They're just astonished. And he says, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And then after Jacob dies, they say, they don't even say, we are sorry. They say, our father said, let us off the hook. Give them mechila. And Yosef says, we're okay. He doesn't say, machalach. He doesn't say, I forgive you, right? So the, it, you're right. It, it's not clear at all that they even really asked. But the bottom line is, Rabbeinu Mechai goes as far to say that it absolutely did not happen. Yosef did not grant it. But, but, but Rav Arlim Steinman says an amazing question on this whole thing. And he says, didn't Yosef want to? Like, why wouldn't Yosef have wanted to grant them Mechila? Yosef is Yosef HaTzadik. We're not talking about like, as we, part of our conversation from last time, we're not talking about regular people here, right? And even as, you know, as human, as we're talking, Yosef is like one of the strongest, most resilient people that we've met probably in the entire Torah until now, right? Maybe, maybe even more than Avram Avinu at this point, right? Ya- Yosef is, goes through like, I mean, Yaakov goes through a lot also, right? But Yosef goes through tremendous suffering, tremendous challenge, and he comes out like amazing, right? But in the end, according to Ben Bechayi, he doesn't forgive them. And why, do, why doesn't he try? Why doesn't he try to forgive them? And if Arlim Shtabim Shtab says something amazing, he says, it's a machlokas and nachronim. When a person grants forgiveness, do they just have to say, we're okay? Mechila, you got mechila? Or do they have to feel it? Do they have to actually feel okay? Okay? Rav Arlene Steinman says, he believes, and Revolbi writes the same thing, and uh, he also writes this, that a person to really give mechila has to feel mechila, has to feel, I'm okay, I can go on here, we're, we're good, we're good, we have to feel that way. And says Rav Arlene Steinman, Yosef tried. He tried his best. He really tried to get you. You see it. How positive he is. It's okay. It was Hashem. This is what Hashem wanted. Whatever Hashem does is for the good. He said over every like positive, you know, self-affirmation and, you know, good thing he could possibly say to himself to try to explain why this was okay in the end. It worked out. This is what Hashem wanted. Jewish history is supposed to be this way. We're, we're good. But in the end of the day, he couldn't be okay because he was hurt too bad. It was too painful what they did to him. And, and Steinman says, Steinman was uh, passed away a few years ago. He was one of the leaders of the Haredi world in, in Eretz Yisrael. One of the great tzaddikim. And he, and he says, he says he, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And, and, and don't get me wrong, that's how Rehumelchus paid the price because of that. But that the, the, the pain that Yosef had experienced through his brothers was so powerful that a full mechilo just wasn't just wasn't possible for him. But, but like, this goes back to what Jenny and I, and I spoke with you about this also, that, 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 that is, could be a full mechila because there are some things that we go through in life, whether it's loss or whether it's someone doing something to you or that it's, it, you can't get the words out to forgive them, but just simply by still having a relationship and moving on, that is a form of mechila. I, I would tell you that Rav, Rav Steinman would say it's not full mechila. It doesn't mean that he's saying, by the way, that the person is at fault for that. Necessarily. No, no, I understand that. But, but I kind of like disagree 
<laughs> because <laughs> Jenny, help me here. No, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> because no, there are things that we go through in life. Um, and I'm not just saying little things, like major stuff yep. that people go through. And and to forgive, it's it's almost impossible. It really is impossible for certain situations, I think. that you, The best you can do is actually, and I think it's also almost impossible, is to accept it and move on. And... And I think that is right. Is the message here that situations? Yeah, but is the message here? Yeah, I agree with you, Janet. I mean, is the message here that you should never, ever, ever grant somebody your forgiveness? And it's a gift, right? To give somebody your forgiveness is a gift. So should you never give? Tell somebody you forgive them, even though you're not 100 percent there because you want to move on. Is that is that something you? Is that the lesson here? You should never do that if you don't 100 percent mean it. So first of all, how would the world function? Right. So first, so first of all, there is the other opinion, Nachronim, which says that mechila means I grant you forgiveness, even though I'm not totally better yet. I'm not all good, right? But I, I want to move forward here, and so I think it's important to, to point out there are other opinions in Nachronim who say that that's enough. When a person says I forgive you, like we're we're good even though I'm not totally over it, but I want to move forward in my life, I'm able to say the words, I forgive you, which by the way itself is a very hard place to be, right? Because I, I think there's a different question, which is even beyond that, which is what if I can never even say that, right? For some, there are some situations and some pain that is caused by some people that you can really never say that. We're not Christians, right? Christians right, uh, say you, you forgive, they forgive. Some scenarios they forgive before the person's even been put on trial. The next day, a mass, a mass murder, right? And they come and say, you know, there's, a, there's this movie uh, about that, that story of the, the group of girls who were uh, in a schoolhouse. Um, Amish, the Amish. The Amish. And, the, and that very day, one of the fathers of one of the girls went to the house and said, I forgive you, to the, to the, to the wife of the guy who did it. But that's not us. We're, we don't function like that. We don't offer forgiveness for nothing. The person doesn't ask. We just offer forgiveness. That's not what we're like. It's actually forgiveness is very complicated. But the, how do you define forgiveness? That's a good question. Right. So no. So there's two. This is two definitions. One is saying I'm ready to move forward. Uh, you're you're off the hook at this point. I I, I I can tell that you feel bad. I don't want your for your your relationship with Hashem held up because of me. I'm good. I release you. Right. The other side is to say even if you say that. If you're still hurt, the person isn't granted forgiveness. It doesn't mean that what you did is wrong by not let, letting it go. Sometimes you can't let it go. But I, I, I think there's another way to look at this, by the way. There's another point here. Because I think the, 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 the lesson for us could be in terms of the way we forgive. But there's also a lesson for us in terms of the way we ask for forgiveness. Because a lot of times the reason we ask for forgiveness is, is why. Well, I'll just say it. Sometimes we ask for forgiveness because we want to make the person feel better, right? Bingo. Bingo. Sometimes I ask for forgiveness because I want to feel better. I can't handle my guilt and I need the forgiveness. And by the way, that's something that as a person who forgives, you can grant them. And it's actually a very big chesed. You can tell the person, look, we got to talk this out. You really hurt me. This was really bad, right? But I'm not going to hold on to this forever. And I, and I get that you feel bad. And what, so, you, you know, it depends on the person, right? You want to see that they, actually, they really feel bad. And then once you see that and you can appreciate that, you're willing to, again, some, some situations are extreme and, and then even that's not possible. So when, but, you're in a, when you're in a situation 
and someone hurts you a long mm-hmm. time ago and they've never asked forgiveness and they've never you know is it even like is it even a positive thing to forgive the person <laughs> or question. do you have to like say you know this person this person hurt me and they need to take responsibility and me saying oh it's okay not that they ever asked forgiveness doesn't actually help the situation well, I'll tell you this, it, it can help it for yourself emotionally, right? Because when you carry that around forever, that's not healthy, right? So, so you know, the question of are you required to offer them mechila? They don't ask you. I don't think, you're, I don't think you have a chiv to offer them mechila. They never come to ask. I don't think you are required to give them mechila. But it's probably good for you. Look at, look at Yosef. Yosef's actually a pretty, I think, seems like a pretty healthy approach, which is I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to hold up my whole family now and hold them hostage forever because of this terrible thing. Even though they did him, was horrible. He says, let's just, let's move on here. This is God's plan. Let's, let's move on with our lives. But what I think is, the way I look at it, which I think is interesting, is, is in terms of how we ask for mechila sometimes. Because a lot of times we ask for mechila or we're quick. We say something we shouldn't have said. I'm not talking about the, the super extreme scenarios. Some things that are a little less, but they're bad. You hurt somebody, bad. Um, and sometimes we rush to mechila, to, we rush to ask for mechila. You don't say it that way, but like we rush to, to, to make amends and the person's not ready yet. And they're just not ready. And, and we rush in to ask mechila and they're not ready to give it to us. And I think that the Torah in the certain sense, Rabbi Mechai is sort of pointing out like, that's not always, it's not always fair to expect that the person can, can grant that mechila right away. It sometimes takes a little bit of time and it, and it doesn't, it doesn't work. Right, and the, and if the person would say, "Yeah, okay, you're fine, forgiven," but you know they don't really mean it, then you don't feel better. There's actually studies like that, by the way. That that being granted forgiveness doesn't always feel as good as you think it's going to feel. They have studies like that. The people think they rate themselves how they would appreciate how they think forgiveness would feel, and then, or how, sorry, how they think an apology would feel, and then once they get the apology, it's like uh, it wasn't so great. Um, don't you think Yosef had twenty years to envision this moment in his mind? I mean, he must know what he was going to say, how he was going to feel. Like, I, I would think he has this whole thing like rehearsed in his head 50 times, you mm-hmm. know? We had a pretty yeah, elaborate, he had a pretty elaborate plan, right? A pretty elaborate plan. Yeah. I mean, this, yeah. I just mean like how he's going to say it. They said, oh, we're so sorry. It's like, I feel like he would have had in his head for, for 20 years if he was going to forgive them. If he wasn't, he was going to be passive aggressive. If he was going to, like, I feel like it was very well thought out exactly how he was going to say it to not say, I forgive you, you know? Because what? Like, cause, I feel like it's very telling that yeah. you know he wasn't caught off guard. He, right. he knew this was going to happen. Right. And but again, does he say it? Right. He says, "You you sold me here. You did this to me, but I'm but I'm gonna I'm gonna move forward from it." So there's two lessons, right? One is the lesson of how we kind of move forward with our lives, um, and one is the lesson of how how we ask for forgiveness. And I think they're both interesting. And, I, and there's not one right answer here. I don't think. But it's just fascinating to watch Yosef as the as the Forgiver, even though he's not really totally forgiving, because maybe he can't, and maybe he can't yet. You know, maybe who knows? Who knows if he would have lived longer? Maybe at some point he would have been able to, but he couldn't in the time he was given. But I think also the approach of keeping that in mind when we ask for forgiveness, when we come to someone after we hurt them, to recognize that sense sense of you know striking while the iron is hot is not a good idea when it comes to forgiveness, because the person may not be ready to do that. Maybe they can say the words, but you're not going to get from them what you're really looking for, which is that they should feel better about it. 